Well, I'm going to welcome up uh, Jacob Hangarner, one of our amazing seniors. He's got his first football game next week. Jacob, Penn High Panthers, here we go. And Jacob's going to be reading our text this morning out of John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And just to set some context, so our summer series studying characters of the Bible, people who God puts to work. And this morning we're looking at Thomas. Thomas, many of you might know his nickname, Doubting Thomas. Uh, not a great label to have with your name. But hopefully, as we'll see, he doesn't get much press coverage in the scriptures. However, there's more to him than meets the eye. So listen, uh, and this morning what we'll hear is the way, the way Jesus encounters Thomas, obstacles that Thomas faces, Jesus' encounter with him, and then Jesus' sending of him, and our purpose that we can find in Thomas' life, uh, the purpose that we have as well. Jacob? On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the, la- in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors were locked, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are thou, are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, him, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. And isn't that what it's about? Gathering together, hearing the scriptures, worshiping the Lord, that we may believe in him believe in Jesus, and then we might have life in him. So first thing to point out about Thomas, you can't really blame Thomas for wanting to also see what the other disciples got to see. I mean, if you, if you heard that, Thomas wasn't with the others when Jesus first showed up. We don't know why, he just wasn't there. And so then when Thomas does show up on that resurrected Sunday, uh, they say, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas is like, well, I didn't see him. Uh, and so you can't really blame Thomas for then saying, okay, well, I want to see him too. I want to see those marks. And what we get right away is the fact that there's obstacles in Thomas's life that are hindering him from a full confession, hindering him in ways in which are um, enclosing him or hiding kind of that full expression of life that Jesus wants him to find. So what are some of these obstacles? First, and this isn't explicit in the text, but if we read it carefully, we can understand this. Uh, it's a crushing defeat for Thomas. The resurrected Sunday, 
don't forget, Thomas hasn't seen Jesus yet, and what he has experienced is Jesus on a cross dying. And remember, just a week ago, in this moment, uh, Thomas was with Jesus and thousands of others saying, glory to God, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was like Super Bowl Sunday in Jerusalem. Everything is great. Jesus, the crowds love him, and I'm one of Jesus' disciples. Everything is amazing. We're high-fiving each other. We're coming into our kingdom. This is fantastic. Have you ever longed for something so much that you've committed years of your life to and only to then have it just vanish like that, taken away from you? You didn't do anything wrong, but a more powerful force ripped it from you. That's what happened to Thomas. The Roman Empire and the Jewish authorities put Jesus on the cross. Thomas is devastated. I think this is why Thomas actually isn't with the other 12 or the 11 at that time. I think he's just so overcome with this loss that he's out wandering the streets. The second obstacle is a guilt. And what we see in actually in John chapter 11, verse 16, Jesus tells his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem to die. What does Thomas say? Very boldly, we shall go with you and die with you. I think Thomas is experiencing survivor's guilt. I didn't get to die with Jesus. Maybe I actually wasn't faithful. Maybe if I really was faithful to Jesus, I would have died with Jesus. Two other people got to die next to Jesus, but not me. And I was the one who proclaimed I would die with him. So maybe guilt is what's driving Thomas. Maybe he's out there wrestling in the darkness, wrestling with that guilt. Have you ever professed Christ before? Boldness, and then something in your life happens. And you feel a sense of guilt, a sense of shame. And so you decide to run into the darkness and hide there. So much easier there obstacles to true life. The other obstacle is what I call a fear of association. If you notice in the text, it says that they were gathered in the home because of fear of the Jews. Now, this word Jews, it's, it's to designate the ruling authority who was threatened by Jesus and his movement. They wanted to crush it. So, because of fear and association, and this is what drove Peter to deny Jesus three times. Weren't you one of his disciples? No, 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 not me. Fear of association. The doors are shuttered. It's in the evening of that first day. All signs of being closed up. A lot of our high schoolers, I've been talking with them after Hume Lake. We went to, for those of you who don't know, we brought up 121 high schoolers two weeks ago, three weeks ago to Hume Lake. And when we came back, we're on fire for the Lord. Everything is so amazing. And yet then our high schoolers step into a world that doesn't always want to have Jesus as their Lord. And so while our students have no problem identifying with Christ up at camp, then they step back into their home and then they are encountering those murmurings of, oh, you went to that camp? You're a Christian? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's going to wear off. That'll wear off in a couple weeks. Maybe this happened with Thomas, a sense of fear of being associated with that. I don't know if I want to endure that persecution. I don't know if I want to be belonging to that. 
And yet what we see here is Jesus doesn't allow Thomas to stay in those obstacles. What obstacles are you facing this morning? What obstacles are preventing you from that fullness of life that Jesus wants to offer you? So let's look at Jesus and what he did, and in that, we'll find life. So Jesus, notice what Jesus does. Jesus comes to Thomas, but he comes to him in peace. Did you catch that in the text? Three times the word peace is said. Jesus comes with peace. Now three is an important number in the Bible. Jesus was risen on the third day. Jesus says peace to you three times. It's interesting he says peace to his disciples. I mean, these are the people he knows best. Why does he have to tell his disciples peace? I think Jesus is reassuring them. Reassuring them that he is their Lord. See, Jesus doesn't shame them. Did you catch that? Wouldn't it have been easy? I mean, if you were in Jesus' shoes, and the people you poured into for three years are hiding away in a room because of fear, and you're like, I went to the cross and died, and then I just got resurrected, and you're scared? Don't you know the power that I have? I mean, how easy would have Jesus been like, you guys suck. You guys are lame. Forget you. I'm getting new disciples. Right? There's no sense of shaming. No sense of religiosity here. No sense of, you guys are backsliding. How dare you? Where's your vigor? Where's your faith? None of that. Peace. I come to you. Peace. We also have to receive that peace. Sometimes for some of us maybe who have slipped and struggled in a journey with the Lord, we need to receive Jesus' peace that he gives us. Secondly, and, and very powerfully, Jesus comes in vulnerability. Notice how he comes into the home. The doors are shut, and Jesus then comes and stands among them. Now, if I'm a director of a film trying to capture a story about somebody dying and rising again, right? I'm picturing you're coming back and doors are blowing off and there's light from heaven shining and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And everyone's on the ground falling because they're just awestruck of the resurrected Christ. But that's not what we get. We get a sense of very intimate moment here, a vulnerable moment. That Jesus is standing among them. Jesus doesn't make them get on your knees and worship me. Jesus stands with them. Jesus then invites Thomas, the one who wasn't there, to do something that, according to the text, he didn't invite the others to do. See, Jesus, even though a week has passed by, Jesus knows that Thomas needs something. John, Thomas needs to see and to touch. What are you asking Jesus for? What does Jesus need to show to you? So Jesus, in all vulnerability, says, here, look, see. See me, Thomas. He doesn't say, off you go, or um, no sense of shame. He just says, here I am. And notice what he then does next. He allows Thomas to touch him, but touch him where? 
He doesn't just say, okay, Thomas, poke me so you know I'm alive. He invites Thomas to touch him in his wounds. That is vulnerable. Most leaders hide their scars. Leaders cover their wounds, not Jesus. He steps out in vulnerability and says, here, Thomas, touch, see. See my scars. Jesus comes to Thomas with scars. There's power in healing of scars. In an Instagram, Facebook world, in my role as a high school pastor, there is no room for scars. There's no room for it. You filter it out. There's often no room for families to confess brokenness in our community. We have to have everything together. Everything's got to look right. We can't talk about those problems. We can't talk about our wounds or scars. So we hide them. And yet Jesus wants to come and show you his scars. I've been reading a book recently called Sticks and Stones. It's about the culture of bullying on high school campuses and junior high campuses. Bullying is rampant. The lack of empathy is incredible on our junior high and high school campuses. And kids are getting beat up. And our students are facing what the disciples faced that first Easter morning. They're facing fear. And school, rather than being a place of education, a place to grow, a place of life, it's a place of fear. Avoiding halls, avoiding certain people, can't, uh, can't withstand another verbal assault. It's what's driving each year the number of suicides, the suicide rate is getting higher and higher. It's driving students to take their own life. And so for you junior high and high school students, I know some of our junior highers are out there, for you who have a junior high or high school student, I want to tell you, Jesus comes to you with his scars. Jesus doesn't come perfected in the way we think people in a resurrected body would be. Jesus comes with his scars to you, with his wounds to you. That's the power of the cross, the power of the gospel. So Thomas sees, he touches, and notice also the movement from eyes to a finger to a whole hand, touching in the side. Jesus is continuing to draw Thomas deeper and deeper into his very own life. He doesn't push Thomas away. He draws him in. Have you been that close to Jesus before? Have been drawn in? If you haven't, maybe because you haven't been vulnerable with Jesus. Maybe you need to be vulnerable for the first time with him. See, what happens when Jesus gets that close, he sees us for who we really are. And that's scary. We realize it's actually our wounds, our scars on him. We brought him to the cross, our sin. And we don't want to deal with that. Jesus' scars aren't just the scars of the nails, even though that is there. It's also the scars of abandonment, forsakenness. He was forsaken on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
social shame, being hung naked on a cross is socially shaming. Our students know a lot about what it means to be shamed. Jesus draws you in with those to reveal his healing power in those scars. But notice Jesus doesn't just leave it at that moment. Did you catch in in the story that Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He breathes on them, the Holy Spirit sends them out with a testimony. And that's the whole point. The whole point of Jesus offering his love to us is to save us. And then we go out in the community, into the world, offering the love of Jesus, offering the scars of Christ, our very own scars, the healing power of Jesus. Thomas's testimony is profound. And it carries in a life with it. And that's what we need to do. That's our purpose. I had a young boy I met with uh, on Friday for lunch. His name's Chris Crump. And he's a, a, he was a senior a couple years ago, graduated. Now he's at TCU, going to start his second year. Was a soccer player, a stud. His senior year, he's in, over the course of a couple years, he's had a couple concussions. Right before his senior year starts, his doctor says, you can't play. The risk is too great for you. You have permanent brain damage. You can't play. Crushing defeat. Fear. What does Chris do? Chris bears, in a sense, the crucifixion to his teammates. Doesn't leave. Doesn't get caught up in the selfishness of the drive to go and achieve something else. Go do something else so you can put that on your resume for college. He stays with his team. And he serves them water. Here's the captain of the team, one of the best players on the team. He should be out there scoring goals, but he can't. His pain, his scars, his wounds. But he offers them to his team. And through that testimony, people see Jesus. They see Jesus alive. Who would do this? Who would do this? And that's what Jesus invites us to do with our scars. I want to read read for you what the Apostle Paul had to say about this. This is in Galatians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul knew a thing or two about enduring the scars, enduring the marks of the gospel. Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 17. He says, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. That's what God does to us, makes us new in that beautiful resurrection morning. As for those who will follow this rule, peace, peace upon them, and mercy upon the Israel of God. From now on, now listen to this, from now on, let no one make trouble for me, for I carry the marks of Jesus branded on my body. The Apostle Paul, marks of the crucifixion on his body, and that's what he boasts in because he knows there's healing in the cross. The trials we face, the tribulations we endure, the healing power 
of the cross because Sunday happens. I love the fact Thomas touches Jesus. He touches holiness, but holiness isn't the perfection that we often are so drawn to. It's woundedness. It's scarring. And that's the power of the gospel. You know, we find ourselves in in troubling times. Maybe some of us have enduring our own obstacles right now. And so we can stand in the face of fear, in in the face of racism, in the face of hatred. And we can say there's no place for that because Jesus went to the cross. We can stand alongside our brothers and sisters who are marginalized. We can stand alongside our Jewish and Muslim neighbors and bear the marks of Jesus to them. This is not dominance. It's not a profession of some profound economic policy that's going to make the day. It's standing in solidarity with our voices. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Because Jesus went to the cross through his wounds. Somebody's going to lead the way in our world. Will it be us? Jesus said, I send you as the Father has sent me in sacrificial love. So church, will we go into our workplaces, in our families, on our campuses, in the sacrificial love of Jesus, bearing our scars? That's our task. Let's pray. Father, I confess that that vulnerability is so hard. The sense of shame, the sense of guilt, fear. Lord, the crippling loss of life and the obstacles that we face, Lord, can be so insurmountable at times. Father, I think of Cynthia, that in her body, even though she has cancer, that she bears the power of the resurrection in her life. that she testifies to your goodness, true life, Lord. She bears that to us. May we find strength in her. Thank you for Chris bearing your love to his team, even though he couldn't play. May all of us, not our own strength, may we boast only in the cross of Christ. May we stand up to those who would like to silence us Stand up to those who would like to isolate and relegate your kingdom. May the power of the cross and the new life in the resurrection, Lord, be on on display. In Jesus' name, amen.